this is this is uh, part two. Uh, is the the outline the invisible war? Your notes are part two. If you were not here for class number one, I would encourage you to get them. If not, they're all. Uh, Bob gets them all out on the podcast on Wednesday nights. So we need to really get into them if you can. And it's just really huge to help you, okay, and to help all of us to know what God is doing. Okay. I want to read this to you. That's not in your notes, but I want to read this to you, and then we're going to get into your notes, okay? C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant Christian authors, last week we talked about the screw tape letters. Did you, anybody, I asked a couple people to bring some, anybody bring anything? No? And what was the other the other book you said was a new one that was written? Was it you, Sherelle? Okay, what was this? Okay, Randy Alcorn writes some great stuff. He's got a great book on heaven. That's a great book. So, Lord Falgren, okay. Okay. So what, what he did, Randy Alcorn, basically, screw tape letters have been around for 40 years, okay? 40, 50 years, I guess. I don't remember exactly when C.S. Lewis wrote them. But it's a, a great analogy of how the battle goes on in our heads, okay? Okay, look at me real quick, please. Don't focus on anything else, folks. 99% of the battle you deal with will be in your head, okay? That's the devil's battleground, okay? He, he doesn't... He doesn't always show up and throw a beer in your face or throw a naked woman or a naked guy or, or, or some kind of magazine or something. He, doesn't all, he just torments you about it. Or you're not good enough. You know, you haven't measured up. You know, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. All kinds of different things. And, uh, you know, that's just the enemy. So, so if you get a chance to read that, that would be great. I, I shared also the, a screw tape letter, little bitty book. And I think, is Alcorn's book small one too? Okay, and so just go out there and look up C.S. Lewis Screw Tape Letters, and uh, and look up the name Randy Alcorn, just like Acorn with an L in it. Okay, and and uh, look up it's probably there as an as a uh, similitude of some kind. I guess I don't know. Okay, so anyway, he wrote the Screw Tape Letters to illustrate the strategies of how the enemy tries to stop believers from advancing and having victory. And I just kind of want to summarize a little bit in three, three thoughts. And you can write these down. They're not in your notes. They're in my notes, okay? The number one way that the enemy gets ground in your life is when you stop praying and you stop reading. Now, I, folks, now please, I say this very respectfully. I say this very lovingly. I get stuff from people on a daily basis. Literally, from all over the world, I, get, I got friends everywhere, and they, oh, Pastor Tim, have you read this? Pastor Tim, have you read this? And generally speaking, if it doesn't captivate my attention in the first paragraph, I love you, but it goes file 13. Because generally, I, I don't, I'm not aware of everything, but I try to stay attuned to just about all the stuff that's happening, okay? Uh, next Wednesday... There is a supernatural event that's supposed to happen on Thursday and Friday, and I'm going to try to address it next Wednesday, okay? Okay, I'm going to try to. I've been watching this, and I've been trying to, to weed through this stuff because, folks, everybody's a supernatural giant when it comes to things people can't understand. Can I tell you something? 
I'm not a supernatural anything. I'm not a giant anything. I'm just a, a guy that loves God and tries to live for God, tries to do the best I can by God and to bring God's word out in understandable fashion. Amen. So I'm going to try to address that a little bit next Wednesday night. Okay, and if you don't know what it is, just go. Uh, it's one of the things I've been talking about for, for about 18 months now. And it's about the, the aligning of the planets where the king planet and Rebulum and all these different things, basically formulating what the book of Revelation says is going to happen in the last days. Okay, we are entering into, into uh, uh, the feast of, of uh, which feast is this? Trumpets. Entering into Feast of Trumpets here in October, and this is the prelude, they say, to the last trump. There's a lot of people that are speculating the rapture will happen this month or next month. Okay? <laughs> Can I tell you something? If you come to church and I'm not here and you can't find me, you better be praying. Okay? But if you come to church and I'm still here, guess what? Rapture hasn't happened. Okay? Because I love you, but I love him more. So I ain't looking for blowing up. I'm looking for going up. Yes. So I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep everything uh, right with God, and I will keep blessing, Amen. preaching, and helping everybody to keep their hearts right with God. Okay, neglecting prayer and your spiritual life, your devotional life, your dedicated life to God. Okay, which would render you absolutely powerless to the enemy. Are you okay? If, you, if you're not praying, you ain't staying. Amen. Bottom line, you're not going to stay a Christian if you're not praying, okay? Reading your Bible. I don't mean you have to read five books a day. And that's what I was saying a moment ago. Folks, I can't. Uh, I get countless things to read. Folks, there's only one book I want to read every day, and that's my Bible. I'm in my Bible every day. That's why hopefully you guys, when I feed you across this, this desk up here, you guys are getting good nourishment and sustenance because I am in God's Word, okay? And, and that's what I try to do on Wednesday nights, okay? So you've got to have that, that prayer life, that devotional life. The second, these are things that are also, you know, that are outlined there in, in C.S. Lewis's book, okay? The second thing is you've got, as you've got to understand, the enemy is going to persuade you relentlessly to doubt the truth and authority of God's Word. I get articles from Christian ministries. Now listen to me. Could you have your hand up for a question? Um, um, Christian. Okay, take it on a side trip later then. Okay. Please, I, I just want to get through this, okay? And so uh, I, I, got, I get articles, and I'm talking about Christian organizations. And there, how many have ever heard of the, the, the Nashville mandate? A group of 150 churches in the Nashville, Tennessee area got together and wrote a mandate all having to deal with where do we stand when it comes to same-sex marriages, sex, sex identity, uh, I don't know, the 14 different things. And they said, we stand with God's word. Amen. Countless Christian organizations has lambasted that and say we have to be relevant to the times. 
Ladies and gentlemen, hear your pastor clearly. And if this hurts your feeling, I love you. Get over it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has, will, or ever will change. And if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not God. Are you okay with that? Okay. And we, folks, the, thank you. The enemy will never stop trying to get you to doubt God's truth and the authority of God's word. He will never stop. Okay? And as a result, there is no foundation of faith on which you'll be able to build an effective life in the power of God's spirit if he gets you to believe that. So, folks, if you come to me and you say, Pastor, what do you think about this? It doesn't matter what I think. What's God's word say about it? I got a text just before I came to church tonight. Uh, you know, people come to our church and, and they move away. They move to different cities, states. You know, I, once again, like I said, I get stuff literally from around the world. And, uh, and uh, you're, people ask, Pastor, what do you do during the rest of the week? Well, I mentor other pastors. Pastor, I get phone calls from pastors on a almost a daily basis. It could be from America. It could be from, I got a guy in South America. I got a guy uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, where the heck is he, Australia. Um, you, know, you know, just, that's what I do. And I, I talk to people, and, and these pastors are dealing with stuff, and they say, well, what, how do you deal with this? And then I, you know, sometimes I get a little, how do you think I deal with it? With God's word. Okay, I, I'm saying all of that to say this, folks. If you sway from God's word. I got a, a text message just before I came tonight. Somebody that came to our church, and they've moved. You know, they've moved 50, 60 miles away. And it's, folks, everybody that leaves here, Pastor, this is my church. And I can't find another. They're, they're gone, and they're gone for months. And sometimes they, we just can't find another church. We can't find, we can't find victorious life. We can't find you, Pastor. I said, you're not looking for me. You're looking for Jesus. You're not looking for a victorious life. I mean, it's a great compliment. I, I'm so grateful, humbled. I say, guys, you're looking for God. You're not looking for a preacher. You're not looking for a church. Just get plugged in and God will show you. And so they, you know, they'll, they'll do that and they'll say they're coming back. And I said, okay, well, praise the Lord. Let me know when God moves you back. When you move back, then I know you're coming back. But if you move back. And so they sent me this thing and, and they ran into somebody that knew them by name. Knew things about their life. And they asked, do you believe in the future? It was a psychic. Pastor, how's, how do they know all this stuff? Folks, listen to me. The devil knows more about you than sometimes you know about you. Okay? He knows your past. And he knows your present. He knows your likes, your dislikes. He knows your wants and the things you don't want. He knows everything. That's why, God forbid, you ever went to one. If you do and you have, ask God to forgive you. Put it under the blood and move on. They're called a familiar spirit. They know all kinds of things about them, and they can tell you 
names, events, times, activities. They can tell you all that. Why? Because it's a spirit. Folks, we are a spirit being living in a fleshly reality. But why does the enemy do that? To try to get you to believe the direction he wants you to go. And so I had to respond to this person and, and uh, he said, Pastor, this is, this is, is this God? I said, nope. nope. How can you be so adamant? Because this book is adamant. Okay? The Bible says, do not get into divination. Do not get in with, divi- with uh, familiar spirits. Do not get into to soothsaying and, and uh, what's some of the other things they call it, Pastor Ray, you may, off the top of your head? Don't get into any of that stuff. Witchcraft and, and uh, divination and all these different things, folks. Okay? I'm sorry? Tarot cards. My goodness. Well, Pastor, if I have a set of tarot cards, what do I do with them? Burn them. Don't give them away. Burn them. Well, they were expensive. Well, praise the Lord. She got some expensive fire starter. <laughs> Can I tell you something? If you, listen, if you listen while they're burning, I guarantee you'll hear screaming. Yeah. Folks, this is real stuff. I'll tell you a story. When I used to do lots of international uh, travel for missions, everywhere I went, I would buy my daughter a doll. Well, I went to the Dominican Republic. Now, if you know the Dominican Republic, it shares the island with Haiti. Okay, lots of voodoo, lots of witchcraft, lots of demonism. And so I, I go there, and, and I found these two beautiful porcelain dolls, and I brought them home. Porcelain, porcelain. You ever had porcelain? How many know if you look at porcelain wrong, it breaks? Okay, porcelain. Do- yeah, I mean, and so I bought these porcelain dolls. All of a sudden, I started having problems in my house. Started praying, say, God, what is it? And God took me right to those dolls. Listen to me. Listen to me. My wife can tell you a story about some, some dolls that she picked up down in uh, uh, New Orleans. Okay? If you ever went down to New Orleans and you get down there. Okay? So I picked up these dolls. And uh, God said, you got to get rid of them. But you got to destroy them. Folks, I took a hammer. Porcelain dolls. Couldn't chip them. I'm, I'm beating this. I'm saying, God, what do I do? Okay. Okay. Here's what I did. I got frustrated. I said, God, I, what do I do? I threw the thing in the, in the, uh, out, in the, out into the street, and it wound up in the curb, and the head broke off. Just like that. Inside of it, was a curse. Mm-hmm. Folks, now, now please, my, my, my native friends, and you guys know this, these, what, do they call them, what do they call them, Sarah, the dream weavers? What do they call these things? Dream catchers. Dream catchers? You think they're just a beautiful piece of art? Yeah, they are. But do you know that some people you buy them from actually pray over them? Am, am I telling you true? Guys, you're bringing this into your house. And th- this is real stuff. 
My wife, and I'll, I'll, she's not in here. I'd have her tell the story. Uh, where? Oh, there she is. Hi, sweetie. I, did, I was looking for you. Okay. Can I tell the story of your voodoo doll? I'll try to tell it as well. But she went down to New Orleans, and, and she got these voodoo dolls and brought them back and gave them to one of her, her niece and kept one herself. And this was before she got saved. And she gets saved, and God, uh, she starts having funky things happening in the house and what's going on. And then all of a sudden, God points out this doll. And so she calls her niece up, and she's saved. She's living for God now. Tell me if I'm missing anything, dear. She's saved and living for God. And she said, I want to give you something in trade. I want to take the doll back. And I want to give you something. So she gave her a Bible or something like that in trade for the doll. And then she called some friends and asked them for a chimney. Is that what they call those little fireplace things? This doll is made out of fabric. This doll is made out of plastic. This doll is made out of all these different things. She lights his fire. She prays over him, throws them in there. They won't burn. She prays, and, and I'm not telling the story correctly, dear. She prays, and the fire is getting hotter and hotter. Finally, one of the plastic eyes, marble, it kind of come off, and then the thing starts squealing. Folks, this is real stuff. Spiritual warfare, the stuff. I don't want to freak anybody out, but guys, we're not playing games. Okay, and so I can tell you more stories, and please, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to do anything, okay? So pray. Get yourself in God's Word. I don't care if you read one verse a day. Get yourself into God's Word, okay? Do not listen when the enemy challenges truth and the authority of God's Word. Just flush it. Say, shut up. You're ugly. Your mama wears cowboy boots. And get on. You know, do something. I don't know what to do. Carrie, yes. You got the microphone? I do. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Um, along the lines of the, the dolls and stuff, uh, growing up, my father um, became involved in the NAC, the Native American Church, uh -huh. with the teepees, the peyotes, the meeting, yeah. and all that stuff. Well, we used to experience a lot of really weird things. Yeah. Um, for myself, I flew out of a vehicle as we were driving on the road and turning, I fell out and the door was locked, you know, it was locked and the door just popped open. And then my brother, Dylan, he almost became paralyzed because, well, we took him to the hospital, they took x-rays and everything and they said, he's fine, there's nothing wrong with him. So at the time we took him to the medicine man and they took out, they used turquoise um, teeth and bones and they will literally be in your body. And so with him, it affected him in his back and he couldn't walk and they couldn't wow. find anything. But going to the medicine man, they taken all kinds of stuff out. It, you know, you. it's, it's real. <laughs> yeah, folks, this, that, that's no, why, the, the medicine man. yeah, once again, folks, once again, 
this is this is stuff. You you play with fire, you get burned. How many can say amen? Amen. Okay. Okay. Last thing, just real quick. I got some words inverted, so I got to try and read this. Pretty bad when I can't even read my own writing. My wife says I, I talk like Yoda sometimes, and I, I get things backwards sometimes. Yeah, so anyway. I, I wrote like Yoda this time. This is not good. I can't even read it. <laughs> Folks, uh, basically what I got out of that is hell's going to be lined with good intentions. Okay? Uh, you're either for him or you're against him. Okay? And just like the seven sons of Sceva, when they came to cast out a demon out of a man, uh, they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. And then the seven, the, the, the man that had, we don't know how many demons were in him, almost killed those seven young men. They weren't boys. They were young men. Okay, almost killed them. Uh, uh, because this is what the demon said. Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? The devil knows if you know the Lord. The devil knows. And if the devil shows up, folks, don't ever be afraid. You're greater. Not because you are, but because the one that's in you is greater. Okay? And on this mountain... Okay, some of the reasons that you deal with some of the funky stuff you deal with is because this mountain has a very strong demonic influence on it. Okay, And uh, I believe one of the reasons that God brought my wife and I to this mountain is I'm dealing with these same spirits on this mountain that I did when I pastored in California because we lived right in the mountains in California. And it seems like these territorial demons, you know, they, the same ones work in the same vicinities or territories. I say all that to say this. Satan's strategy is to wreak havoc in the Christian life, and ultimately the goal is to destroy every Christian he can. And the way he does that is by subverting your life or diverting your life from a stand on the authority and the truth of God's Word. He did this throughout time, okay? He did it with Eve. He did it with Job. He did it with Joshua. He did it with David. All of these people had direct encounters with the enemy. And they set down, the enemy sets down to undermine every single person that he can. And if he can get you to believe a lie, he can change your whole life and the life of everyone you come in contact with. Okay? The target Satan aims, his number one objective is your life. Okay? And the purpose the purposes that he wants to achieve is the destruction of your life. The weapons that he wants to use are the simplicity of things you think matter not. And the defenses God provides are the armament, the only armament you can defeat the enemy. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He comes to steal your confidence in Christ that he can try to kill the hope you have from Christ, ultimately to destroy the life you have in Christ. That's his whole objective. But he always works through deception. Okay, Satan has no authority. 
He only has power. And the power he has is great power. It's called deception. Okay? So I need, I'm going to have some people read. Who's a really, really, really good reader? Don't everybody raise your hand at once. Okay, Savannah. Thank you. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Carmen, Genesis 2, 9 through 15. And then put your finger on 15. I want you to read 25 after that. Uh, uh, Wilford, uh, James 4, 17. Um, Valerie, Ezekiel 4, 18, 4. And then put your finger there in verse 20. Okay? Uh, Carrie, 2 Corinthians 11, 3. Okay? Uh, Jack, I know I haven't had you read in a long time, but your time is up now. John 8, 44. John 8, 44. Okay? And then Ken, you got a Bible back there? Give me Revelation 12. Yeah, that's a dumb question I ask you. Oh, I'm going to have that. Yeah. Uh, Revelation 12, 9. Okay? And I already gave somebody 11, 3. Right? Okay. So uh, I want you to read this. And we read this last week. But this basically is the flagship verse that we're going we're gonna to run from uh, because this sets the whole thing. And, and we're not going to get into, you know, last week when we brought this up, you know, we, we, we asked the question, you know, was, was the serpent a mystical animal? Was the serpent a, an angelic? Was it a seraphim? Was it a, folks, it, the Bible says it was an animal. So I take it, when you look up the word animal, it actually means a creature of this earth. So I'm just looking at it, you know, as, as what it was, okay? So let's, uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1. What version are you reading out of? Uh, NIV. NIV. And so when you do read, tell me what version you're reading. Not because there's, I mean, there are bad versions out there, and if you have one, I'll, I'll tell you. And not because, not because, you know, folks, you know, I have probably, I, don't know, I probably have, I got a ton of Bibles. I use lots of different versions. But if I'm using a version that I'm not comfortable with, what I'll always do when I'm studying to bring the Scripture to you is I will always go to the Greek and to the Hebrew to make sure the words are correct. Because of the nuances, folks can change things. Okay? And so you say, Pastor, are you a Greek and Hebrew scholar? No, I just know how to study Greek and Hebrew. Okay? Because you learn stuff like that in school, and you, uh, you learn it just because I've done this for a long time. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Go ahead. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the wild animals that God, the Lord God, had made. Okay, that word crafter, more deceptive, more subtle. Okay, another word you can find in the original is an undermining. Okay, it's the same spirit that we find attached with the most deceptive spirit on earth, which, earth, which is the spirit of Jezebel. Okay, now immediately when I name Jezebel, people think, well, that, that's a woman. It was a literal woman, but the Bible refers to Jezebel as a spirit, not a person. It is a person. You find her in the Old Testament, okay, an actual person named Jezebel. But the, the interesting word, the word Jezebel comes from the Hebrew word that we get lesbian from. It's, the word is actual... Uh, I can't pronounce it. I'm, like I said, I'm not a scholar. It's, it's, it's uh, lesbia is how it's pronounced. It's where we get the word lesbian from. Any correlation, you think? Okay? It's an undermining, usurptive spirit. The enemy 
folks, why we have such a huge move in the homosexual community. Satan's objective, deception, is to undermine the Godhead. Okay? The Godhead, like it or not, is male. Are you okay? Not? Anyway, so. But he was craftier, subtle, deceptive, undermining. Okay, than any of the animals that the Lord God had made. Continue on. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The okay, now the serpent was already possessed by Satan at this time. Okay, and he is the one that's speaking here. And what did Satan do? He questioned what God said. Do you hear that? He didn't say whether God said it or not. He just questioned her validity of it. Did God, how many have ever been someplace and somebody asked you, are you sure that's how they said it? Are you sure that's what you read? Are you sure that's what the Bible meant? How many have ever had you, okay? Folks, oh, there's so much stuff here. So, Did God really say, when that question is posed to you, immediately know there's a serpent slithering around somewhere. I don't care if they call themselves Christian. Okay? The minute they ask, did God really say, you need to start checking. Okay, what's happening here? Are you with me? Go ahead. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Okay, so stop there. Okay? There's some specifics here that the woman brings out. The woman said to the serpent, okay, first Satan question, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then the woman responded, we may eat from any tree in the garden, but the tree in the middle of the garden, you can't eat. And what did she say? nor touch it. We're going to read in just a second that that's not what God said. But let's go on here. What happens if you touch it? What's you'll, it say? You'll die. You will die, even if you touch it. Continue on. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So what's the devil do? The first thing he does is he questions what God said, and then he challenges what God says with an alternative truth. You see, he's the master of deception. He can't create, but he can pervert. Are you okay? Okay, and that's, what, that's how Satan works. He will question, is that what God really said? And then he will challenge, yeah. Why? Because he wants to make sure that if you think, well, yeah, maybe it is what God really said. No, no, no. This is what God really said. The moment you open, you eat it, you'll open your eyes. Am I making sense? Okay? So let's look at questions. Anybody, any thoughts, any questions on anything of the, so far? And I want her to finish this, and then we'll continue. Yes, Jack. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. There you go. How, how did 
How did they know what dying was when there was no death before? Or naked. naked. Yep. Well, what happened, and I, once again, because here we are are 6,000 years later, we, we know the answers to that, okay? They knew what death was because God explained to them those understandings, but nakedness they didn't know until their eyes were opened. Huh? No, go ahead. <laughs> how did they know how to sew? <laughs> you insisted. <laughs> okay. Okay. They, they made aprons out of fig leaves, but who made their first outfit for them? God did. Okay. I don't know if they fig leafed them together. I don't know if they wove them together. I'm, I'm sure because now, now, now here, here's the, the real answer. When Adam and Eve walked the earth, how many know that me- medically speaking, they say that we operate with about what percent of our brain? 10%, 8%, something like that. They had 100% functionality of the brain. Think about it. He named every animal on earth. Folks, I can't name a dozen animals. He named everything. He named all the plant life. He named everything. you got to have complete uh, use of your faculties. And so, once again, a lot of this speculation, you know why? It wasn't there. So, but the, the good questions, valid questions, uh, but these are things that they, they didn't know good and evil. They didn't know uh, they were naked until after they had bit the fruit. So go ahead. I have a question before we move on. Yep. Um, is there like a particular reason that the serpent went to the woman before Adam? Like would Adam have made the same choice? Once again, I don't find in Scripture uh, in that, but I can speculate, Okay. Once again, Satan's objective is to destroy the, the godhood. Okay? By going to the woman, what's he doing? He's recognizing her over Adam. Are, are you, am I making sense? Okay? Once again, God said, Father, Son, man, woman, angels, everything else. That's how God created it. But Satan didn't go. Now, uh, once again, we can speculate and say, well, because Adam would have put him in his place. Would he? He was standing right next to his wife. Okay. I'm sorry? Well, he did make the same choice. But the reality is, you know, it, all we can do is speculate because you really, you don't know. Okay? Go ahead. When the woman saw that the fruit of the trees was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized who was with her. And, oh, I'm sorry. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay. So... After their eyes were open, they saw they were naked, and then they sewed stuff together, okay? Did it all come together, part and parcel? All that knowledge is already there? Don't know. Okay, I want you to look at something here real quick. Look what it says here. He said, the woman saw 
that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable to make wisdom, one wise. Okay? And we got into last week, and I just want to lay this, that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was tempted with the exact same thing. We find it in 1 John chapter 2, and I'll go to that in just a second, but it's called the lust of the flesh. Okay? She saw the food was good, the tree was good for food. The lust of the flesh. I won't take care of this flesh. I won't take care of this body. Saw that it was pleasing to the eye. The lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And the last thing was to make you wise. The pride of life. Make you successful. Overcoming. When Jesus was in the wilderness. Tempted for 40 days. First thing the devil came to him. Lust of the flesh. Command these stones to be turned to bread. You got to take care of that body, don't you? Are you with me? First thing he said, command these stones to be turned to bread. Okay? Then the uh, second thing that he came and he said, uh, uh, Jesus, how did Jesus respond? God's word. God's word is how he responded. Okay? And then he said, uh, you know, he said the second thing. He said, he said he took him to the holy city and he showed him, he showed him uh, all the glory. Uh, no, he, okay. The second thing he did, he took him to the highest place of the temple, the, the uh, pinnacle of the temple. And he said, throw yourself down for it says the angels will, will guard your hands and keep you. Okay. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Okay. He knew that if I do this, I'm going to take the glory out of my eyes. I'm going to die. Blah, 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 blah. And he said, it's written, devil, listen to me. You will not put God to the test. Now, it's interesting. Anyway, I'll go to a different story. Okay, we'll go with this. Okay. The third thing that he came to him, he took him to a mountaintop, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. The pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Okay. Then... The Bible tells us in 1 John. What am I taking you from? First book of the Bible, to the center of the Bible, to the end of the Bible. Look what it says here in 1 John. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. No new bag of tricks, just a new bag of fools. Same, same story from Genesis to Revelation. And that's how he tries to deceive us. Are you with me? Questions? Yeah, Ken, all the way in the back there. Come on, Will, put some... Put some I'm going, I'm going. Okay, and then we need Genesis 2, 9 through 15, and then 25. Go ahead. You know, mine, I'm sorry, mine is not a question is as much... Is that thunder? Yes, it is. Praise both, the Lord. The Lord's happy directions. today. Yeah. Anyway, it's like we have said several times, indicating that uh, Adam and Eve were both pretty much in the same boat uh, when she dis- uh, disobeyed God and he agreed to it, apparently. But there is a difference. The New Testament tells us that she was deceived, but that Adam sinned. Yeah. And there is a difference in the way they registered it at any rate. Very good, Ken. Think about that for a second. Eve was deceived, but Adam knew what he was doing. 
Now, husbands, I want you to listen to me. When issues happen in your house, God's not going to look for your wife. She may be the wrong person. They're going to say, what are you doing about it? That's a, that's a whole other subject for me to get into. But think, again, that was great. She was deceived. Adam sinned. Okay? And because of one man's sin, everything. You know what the Bible says in the book of James? He that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Okay? Genesis 2, 9 through 15. Who has that? I do. Okay. Right up here. Carmen. Yeah. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now we're talking about the same thing that Satan deceived her with. This is the chapter before the deception. When God created everything, look what God says about it. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What? Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it was parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah. Where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Pedico. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the, in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Go ahead. And then 25. Mm -hmm. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay. What did God do in the garden? He put him in the garden for what purpose? To tend it and keep it. How many of you know anything about tending a garden? Any gardeners here? Anybody plant things? If you don't touch that, does it get kept? Does it get tended? Does it get taken care of. You got to touch it. Okay? So when the devil, or when Eve said, don't eat, don't even touch it, what do you think she was trying to do? Now, this is pertinent. Once again, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is thus, thus saith Tim. This is what I think. You know what she was trying to do? What do you think? You think she was trying to pass the buck? God said, I can't have anything to do with that. He said, stay as far away from that as you possibly can. I'm sorry? Either that or Satan has already have, has her questioning whether or not she could even touch it. So, Now think about what he just said. Do you th how many think Satan just showed up in Genesis 3? How many think he's been slithering around for a while? Can I tell you what? Nobody falls overnight. Nobody falls in a moment. Okay, I, you've heard me say this for the, over the years. I'm not sure that somebody can fall into sin. I think you can run to it. I think you can plan for it. I think you can hop, skip, and jump. But I don't think you just fall into it. You make a plan for it. And I think what was happening here is she knew what God said. But she was trying to 
skirt around it. Does that make sense? If you And I say this, you know what happened at the end of the whole thing? When God came to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? We all know that God knew where Adam was, didn't we? How many think God knew where Adam was? Go ahead and lift your hand. You think God knew where Adam Okay. I think God knows where everybody is. He knows where you should be. He knows everything, okay? And so when he came to Adam, Adam, where are you? What do you think God was asking Adam, really? I'm sorry? Why are you hiding? What, what, Jack? What did you do? What do you think God was asking Adam when he said, where are you? Go ahead, just shout it out. What do you think? I'm sorry? Give him a chance. What do you think God was asking? He wanted to know, Adam, do you know what you've done? Do you know where you are? Now think about that for a second, because God does the same thing with us. He wants to give us a chance. But there's a thing in Psychology 101, the first way to overcome a problem, you have to admit you have one. God wanted Adam to own this thing. And then what did Adam start doing? He started placing the blame. You know, the woman said it was a serpent. You know, he deceived me. And then Adam looked at the thing, and there was the fruit and this and that and the other thing. And then finally, what they do? God, you gave her to me. James 4.17. James 4.17. Who has it? Okay, come on, son. Read it quickly. And then we got Ezekiel 18. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is, it is sin for them. He that knows to do good and doesn't do it. Okay. Can I tell you something? There's not a single person in here that doesn't know right from wrong. There's not a single person in here that didn't know it was wrong before they did it. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Satan has but one area that he intends to continually assault, and that is your mind. He intends to challenge what you believe. That's why it's imperative you know what you believe. Okay, on Sunday, uh, the statement that Paul said in, in, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, he said, I, I am, or chapter 2, he said, I am not ashamed, for I know who I have believed. And I'm convinced that I can trust him. Okay? Ezekiel 18.4, Satan's number one attack, our mind. Go ahead, 18.4, who has it? Go ahead, Valerie. For every living soul belongs to me, the Father as well as the Son, both alike belong to me. The soul who sins is the one who will die. Everything belongs to God. What's, is that verse 20, the soul who sins? No, that's verse 20. Okay, read verse 20. <laughs> the soul who sins is the one who will die. The son will not share the guilt of the father, nor will the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against him. Okay. Everyone lives to themselves, 
Everyone dies to themselves. Okay? And I want you to listen to me, parents. We all have children that have gone, rose up and they've gone astray. Okay? We've all had children that live for God and some come back. Some are gone this day. Okay? They're responsible for themselves. You've done your very best. You say, well, Pastor, I wasn't a very good parent. Give it to Jesus. Ask his forgiveness. Ask the child's forgiveness and move on. Okay? You can't change a life. It belongs to God. Okay? But you can stop the devil from tormenting you with that life. You got it? Carrie? At what age would that be or around? Well, you've got the age of, you know, the Bible gives an understanding of the age of accountability, a time when a child comes to understanding. I don't know that there is a specific age. You have what they call, they do the bar mitzvahs. That's usually around 12, 13. A lot of them think that's when, I'm, that's when you come to manhood or womanhood is when you come into puberty, okay? I don't know. My little boy was four years old. We were in church one day, and uh, the preacher's preaching, and all of a sudden, you know, his hand goes up. It's altar call time. And, you know, he's seen my hand go up. He's seen lots of people. And I said, Timmy, what, what are you doing? He said, Daddy, I want to I get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. And so I said, son, okay, you know it's altar call time, and, and, and uh, you know the people do that. Do you understand? He said, yes, Dad. I want to live for God. I don't want to go to hell. I want to make a commitment. He was four years old. I believe that was his age of accountability. I think some are younger, some are older. Don't know. I, like I said, folks, age is not a not a uh, measurement on maturity. I know people that have never grown up. <laughs> Amen. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> okay. I, I didn't want to. I won't mention any names, but the initials are Jack Klaus. I mean, did I say that? <laughs> but the reality, folks, is you, you want to see somebody didn't grow up, go to me, go to me to Disneyland, you know, find somebody that didn't grow up. But Okay. Satan's attack, his objective, uh, when he wanted to leave Adam and Eve into sin, he subtly began attacking Eve's mind. Why Eve, not Adam? Maybe he was doing both. I think it had to do with the hierarchy of God. I think it had to do with he was trying to usurp her over him. Okay? Now, did it work? The answer very well is yes. Do you know why? She turned and handed him the fruit. Adam could have rejected it. And then the structure would have stayed in place. Could Eve have repented of that place? Possibly. I don't know. But what did Adam do? Sorry? Maybe what? No, that, that's not what that that's not what that's referring to. But very good thought about it, um, um, Jim. But I, I think it has to do with the hierarchical structure. Is why why it happened. Okay, and the enemy didn't just show up at that time. Second Corinthians eleven three. Okay, listen to what it says here. Do you have it, Gary? Second Corinthians New Living Translation. Okay. 
But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Okay, so that's a New Living Translation. Uh, who has the NIV or one of the other ones? You got it, Dylan? Hand the microphone right up in front of you, would you? Okay, I want to discuss specific words. It says the same thing, but listen to the way it's written in the NIV. Go ahead. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your minds will somehow be led astray. The Bible tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed. And then what does it say? Anybody know? By the renewing of your minds. Okay? Our mind is the garbage dump of society. That's why, and, I, and, and please, I say this um, I say this respectfully, watch what you watch, watch what you listen to, you know, got to say anything else? There's an old adage about, used to go through the physical life and, and the, the physiological life, junk in, junk out, you know, you are what you eat. What do you think you're feeding your mind? What do you think you're feeding your eyes? What do you think you're feeding your ears? Well, it's really cool stuff. Really? I, you know, anyway, I'm going to get off this real quick. This, why would Satan begin his attack with our mind and not our physical being? Very simply, our mind holds the part of the image of God where God communicates and reveals His will to us. When the Bible's talking about your mind, it's talking about that faculty of knowing. Your, your spiritual intellect. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The Bible teaches your spirit and your soul are going to live forever. That's why we're going to know each other in heaven. I'm going to know Lenore. I'm going to know Danny. Okay, Danny might not admit to knowing me, but he's going to know me. Okay, we're going to know each other. Okay, why? Because that soulish part, that's why God tells us to get into his word continually. On Sunday, I, I took you there in Philippians chapter 4, where it said whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are honest, if it has any virtue, if, if there's any good, th think on these things. Bring these things into your mind. Do you know why so many people deal with anxiety? They're filling their head with everything else. Okay? I talk about the end times in church. We've had... Not a few people leave church because, Pastor, I just can't handle this. We've got to. We don't live in it, but we have to know what's happening. Do you know why? To a lot of the world, you're the only Jesus they're going to ever see. And if you don't talk about it, how are they going to know? 
So we, one, of my, one of my jobs, I'm a watchman. My job is to bring you information that is to help you and is to guide, direct you. And so the only way I can do that is I got to fill my mind. I got to fill my spirit. I got to fill this, this, this heart man with what? The things of God. People ask me, Pastor, what, you watch news all the time. You go through, why, why? Because I have to see what's happening in the world. I, I just read something today. At, what was it? Oh, gosh. The minute I read it, told me the Psalm 83 war is literally around the corner. And I, I don't remember what it was. It was something just came out in the news today. And uh, I don't know, probably still on my phone or, or in my inbox, my email box. Uh, hold on a second. Israel prepares to confront Hezbollah in Iran, in Syria. The minute that attack happens, there was an attack that just happened. uh, Oh gosh, what is today? Today is Wednesday. It happened Thursday of last week. The news reports in America didn't even touch it until Saturday, where Israel went in and bombed a, a munitions factory Uh, that was making weapons of mass destruction. Since last Saturday, Iran has been preparing for the return battle, okay? And so Israel, that's the article that that said, okay, yeah, boom, just boom. Immediately in my spirit, God says, Psalm 83 is right around the corner. Israel prepares to confront the Hezbollah-Iran-Syria axis. Once that happens, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see the fulfillment of, uh, of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 59, where it says Damascus will become a ruinous heap, non-inhabitable. When is this happening? Don't know. Don't know. But it ain't far off. Okay? And you say, well, Pastor, how, how many days is that? Don't know. Well, I just want to make sure my heart's right with God. If it ain't right today, you ain't going. Folks, the Bible says live for him as if he's coming right now. That's the whole problem with the ten virgins. That's the whole problem with the sheep and the goats. The things they did and didn't do. It's not time to play church. Okay? Satan attacks our minds. He attacks our minds because that's where God communicates. Okay? Most Christians do not understand the importance of keeping our minds on the things of God through the Scripture. Though, excuse me, though the Scripture puts incredible importance on it. Why? Because Satan is the great deceiver john chapter 8 44 who has it okay go ahead and read it out and then revelation 12 9 immediately following that okay and i think i've got time uh 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 casey james red okay (laughs) james uh you have bible with you you have one casey Sarah, Second John one seven, uh, uh, Lenore, Colossians three one and two, Patty, Colossians three nine and ten, uh, Miss Beverly, um, Matthew twenty two, 
37. We're going to try to get that far, okay? So Satan is the great deceiver, okay? I cannot drive that home well enough. This is why it's imperative. You read your Bible. If the only Bible you get is on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, though that's good, and folks, and I say this all, God, please, uh, hopefully I'm not saying this wrong. At this church, you're getting more Bible than you probably get in most churches in Flagstaff. I don't say that wrongly. People are doing great things. Praise the Lamb of God. But in this church, you get a lot of Bible, okay? And I want to emphasize that because you need. So by virtue of the fact you get it on Sundays and Wednesdays, if you come both, you're doing really good. But you need your own Bible time, okay? John 8, 44, this is why. Go ahead. You belong to your father, the devil, and you don't, and you, excuse me, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, and he is a liar and the father of lies. If the God of this world has that picture of his life, why do we listen to anything he says? You say, well, pastor, I'm not listening to him. If you're not doing what Jesus says, you're listening to what the God of this world says. There's only two options, folks. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I know you're having a bad day, or I know you're this or that. He said, you're either for me or you're, okay? Revelation 12, 9. Okay, all the way back. He's bringing a microphone to you, Ken. We like to record things, okay? <clears throat> Revelation 12, 9. Okay, once okay. again. He is a deceiver. Look what it says here. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the entire world. Who what? Who deceives the whole world. Come on, I, I didn't hear you, Ken. What would you say? He deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And his angels. Folks, that should be a scary verse. Not just that he deceives the whole world. Listen to it. He deceived his angels too. Think about it. They were in the presence of God. And he got them to bite the fruit. A third of the angels of heavens fell with him. How powerful of deceptor you think he is. Go ahead, Ken. You know, when we were talking about uh, how the mind is... <laughs> that part of us that is created in the likeness of God. I think it is also the place where sin originates is in the mind. In other words, we have choices, and it begins right here long exactly. before there's action. Exactly. Folks, let me, let me share something with you. Could I get somebody to give me a cup of coffee real quick? Would you, you got a second real quick. My sweetie, sweetie. Ladies, nothing personal. This is the most wonderful woman in the church. <laughs> okay. Right there. Thank, that's a great disagreement, Jack. Thank you. That's very... And all of you husbands should disagree with it too. But she is the best woman in this... For this guy. Okay? Listen to what he said. Okay? That it started... It started there. I got, I got distracted. This... Uh, um. Oh, here's what I was going. Look at me, please. How many here have ever had a bad thought? Today? Okay. 
I just thought I'd ask. I didn't know for sure if there was anybody who would respond, but figure. Did you know that thought's not a sin? When's it become a sin? When you do something with it. That's why the Bible says take captive every thought, bringing it to obedience to God's Word. But what, in talking about what Ken just said, the problem we have with those thoughts is that now when it hits our head, it affects our pride. And we have to decide whether we want that or we want what God wants. Interesting. That's the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. Eve had to decide, do I do what God said? Or do I, wow, that looks pretty good. Mmm. Make me wise. Oh, it'll get me ahead. I'll be successful. Think about it. That thought's not sin until you start dwelling on it. Until you start dwelling on it. That's why God said, get it out of your mind. Cast it down. Please. Second uh, John, or John, yeah, Second John 1 7. Go ahead. Second John 1 7. Who has it? Okay. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Okay, so I want you to listen to me. This passage is making a very clear statement because there's a lot of churches that call themselves Christian that do not teach that Jesus is God. And that scripture says, if they don't teach that Jesus is God, they're Antichrist. They're not of God. Okay? They're deceivers. Colossians chapter 3. Okay? Any questions on any of this stuff? And folks, don't, please do not leave here with a question. You say, well, Pastor, it's going, to be, it's going to be a hard question. I've had people tell me, it's going to take you this direction or that direction. Folks, I can reel it into whatever direction we need to go. Don't worry about it. Just ask the question. Okay? Go ahead. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your minds where? On the things above, not on earthly things. Okay, any questions? Um, Anthony. So my question goes back to when we were talking about the children and stuff, because I was, I was thinking on it for a while. How come it is possible for you to save your spouse if they don't believe, but you can't save your children? Okay, so he's, he's, quote, he's, he's alluding to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, Okay that talks about if the unbelieving chooses to stay with you, that they are covered by you. doesn't say they're saved, but it says because of your commitment to Christ, God is able to move in their lives. Okay? They can come to knowledge of Christ. That's why, see, God, folks, I'm a divorced pastor. Do you know what God would have preferred? That I didn't get divorced. Okay? I can tell you the whole story, but it doesn't need to be torn right now. If you need to ask about it, you can ask me about it. But the reality, I was, okay? But we were not talking about two unbelievers. We are talking about two believers, 
okay? But the reality, if I was married to this person and that person was an unbeliever and they were pleased to stay with me and everything was just fine, the, the marriage, so on and so forth, God said, stay. By your covering that person, I'm able to work in their life. Don't just get rid of them because they're an unbeliever. You shouldn't have married them if you were a believer and they were an unbeliever. If you're dating somebody that's a non-believer, oh, they'll get saved. No, they won't. You will turn away. That's why God says not to be unequally yoked. Okay, so when it talks about the child being saved, okay, the child... He's referring to when it says um, that they may be saved because of you. Okay, that they may be saved. God's opportunity to get in their life. Because of your life, because of your example, because of your testimony. God can work in those things. That's why you as a Christian, on your job, let me give you a novel idea. Be a Christian. God can use you to get to them. But if you're not, then the devil is using you to tell them what's the difference. They're just like me. Am I making sense? Okay? Yeah, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, what's that? Proverbs, yeah. Raise up a child in the way they go. When they're old, they shall not depart. Anywhere, say somewhere. What? Jack, question. Oh, I thought you had your hand up. Oh, the pole. Okay, anybody else? Okay, well, the Bible does say over in the book of Acts, okay, that you and your household, shall be saved. And once again, it's not talking about those people still have to make their own decision. But because you brought Christ into that household, he can work through the whole. And more stories of people that got saved because somebody in that house got saved. If that dad gets saved, it's almost unwritten that everybody gets saved. If the mom gets saved, it drops astronomically, 35%, something like that. One of the kids gets saved, you know, it may twinkle through, okay? Dad gets saved, why? That's the Godhead. That's God's structure. Always works that way. Good stuff. Colossians uh, 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. It's being renewed. You've put off the old man. You've put on the new man. Stop living in a lie, okay? You're being renewed day by day. Matthew 22, 37. Who has that? Okay. Yep. 22, 37. <laughs> he said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Okay? Every bit of your being. It is here, it is in the mind that the enemy tries to bring confusion. That's what Ken was alluding to a little while ago. Doubt, fear, unbelief. But then a very critical term, it's called double-mindedness. In James chapter 4, it says a double-minded man will receive nothing from God. What does that mean? What's it mean to be double-minded? Unstable? Good. Trying to live for God, but also living in the world. Christian? 
Like Saul when he went to the witch of Endor? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Being on the fence. Double-minded, trying to live in the world and in God. Okay, you can't do it, folks. You'll hate one, you'll love the other, you, you know, you'll despise one, and you'll uh, cling to the other. Okay? Psychologist. And I'm going to end with this. It's in your notes. I think I left it in your notes. Psychologists say 10,000 thoughts go through the human mind in one day. 10,000 thoughts go through the human mind in one day. That is three and a half million thoughts in a year. Now, I want you to grab a hold of this. If, as the Bible says, we will give an account of every idle word we say, how many would that be? If every man is to be judged according to the things in his life, would you be condemned? Now, folks, listen to me. Most of us in here would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But folks, we're under the blood. We have been forgiven. We have been cleansed. But just like the woman that we find in in John chapter 8, the adulterous woman caught in the very act. It's a picture of our lives, folks. We're in the very act of adultery. I'm not committing adultery called spiritual adultery. We find it all articulated very well in the book of James. God says, you know, you can't be both. Okay? And then he says he says these words. He says, resist the devil and he will flee. But you said before you can resist the devil, he says you have to draw near to God. He says, draw near to me, resist the devil and he will flee. And then he says, Cleanse your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter 4. He says, stop playing with the world. If it doesn't line up with God's word, get rid of it. You say, Pastor, it's easier said than done. It's easier done than said. You just have to choose to do it. And the minute we don't, what happens? Remember that board that I showed you with the easement? You let the devil in, he goes for it. Okay? Next week we'll jump into this. The minds of men is where Satan's work is done and deception begins. I encourage you, take your notes home. Read ahead. Come back with questions. But ladies and gentlemen, this battle, okay, let me, let me share something with you. And I share this with you. I share this with you. I was just, you know, the Lord just, okay. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Now I want you to look up here towards me because I'm going to talk to you. You can, you can go and study this later. The Bible talks about a lawless one that's coming into the world. 
I believe he's going to show up before the rapture. I believe that he's not going to come on scene in full force until after the rapture. We know him as the man of sin or the Antichrist. But look what it says here. The coming of the lawless son will be in accordance with how Satan works. How does Satan works? Deception. Okay? He will use all sorts of displays of power and signs and wonders to get us to believe a lie. Okay? How is he going to get us to believe that? If we don't know the truth, we're going to be deceived into thinking it's true. Okay, but look at this. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And then this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Look at me, folks. This is not the time to be on the fence. Pastor, you, you're trying to scare me. If I can scare the hell out of you, I'll do it. Okay? But listen to me. It's not the time to be on the fence. Okay? Because look what it says. One of the scariest verses in the Bible. For this reason, God will send a powerful delusion that they'll believe the lie they've chosen to believe. Folks, get into God's Word. Yes. That God will send? I'm just telling you what it says. He's going to send a spirit of delusion that you might believe a lie. What it is, in, in Romans chapter 1, okay? Now, I want you to listen to me. Jesus didn't come into the world, condemn the world. John 3, 19. But Romans chapter 1 says, because people choose to believe a lie, God will give them over to a reprobate mind. Ken just talked about it. The battle is up here, folks. A reprobate mind. What is a reprobate mind? It's a mind that believes anything and everything it wants is for its benefit. All about me? Because they chose to believe the lie. Okay? What I believe it means here, and I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, I'm saying that God is going to allow them to be deluged with that lie. That's what I think a spirit of strong delusion. They're going to be so enamored by it, They're going to be consumed by it. Don't know. That's just what he says. Go, go home and study it. That's 2 Thessalonians. We're talking about the days of Antichrist. Start with the ninth verse. You can read the whole chapter. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay? It says, so that they might believe. He said, I will send a spirit of a powerful delusion. Uh, uh, another translation says, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe the lies that Satan is doing, that they will be condemned with all that believe, not the truth, and delight in wickedness. There is a world today, folks, that they're just enamored by wickedness. 
they're, they're, just, they're just thrilled. Folks, never before did I ever think in my lifetime would I see the Christian community starting to accept what God says is damnable heresy. The homosexual lifestyle. Folks, I run into people who say, well, I, I, don't, I, I identify as a guy when I'm a girl. How many read the news article that just hit? Well, it doesn't just hit because the mainline organizations won't put it out. This boy, this little boy in Australia was, um, I don't know, eight years old or something like that. And he told mommy and daddy, I think I'm, I'm, think I'm a girl. So mom and dad, okay. Started working with him on a sex change operation. Started getting the hormone shots to where he starts producing things the girls have. You know? I'm sorry, folks, I get real timid when I talk about certain things. So, and he starts doing that. Well, at 12 years old, just a couple years later, he's going through all these things. And he says, you know, I'm actually pretty comfortable as a guy. Now he has to have surgery to remove things that have grown. Thank goodness they didn't remove certain things you can't put back. Folks, I never in my lifetime thought that people would believe such deception. But it's rampant. You think it's not going to happen in the church? It already is. How many appreciate a church that preaches the gospel without compromise? <laughs> Miss Carrie. I have a question. Well, I, I seen my father the other day, and he mentioned something about the Catholic Church yep. is trying to unite the Lutherans and other churches as a one whole. Have you heard anything about that? Oh, yeah. The Catholic Church is trying to bring together the Muslims, the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses, everything is God because God is love. Folks, God loves us the way we are. He, does love, he loves us too much to leave us that way. This new Pope, Pope Francis, Ask me next week. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word, your grace. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you. Father, we renew our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you learn something tonight? God bless. Tell somebody and bring people to our Wednesday night classes. It's a great place to grow.